Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Joey Mattingly, has his PharmD MBA and recently his PhD. He currently serves as an assistant professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice and Science at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, where he teaches business strategy to PharmD students and is a strategic consultant for the University of Maryland Medical Center. In addition to his work as a faculty member, he serves as director of operations for the Patients Program and is principal for A&J Consulting. He recently earned his PhD in pharmaceutical health services research with a special focus in pharmacoeconomics. His research focuses on incorporating the patient voice in health economics and health outcomes research. Uh, He is also the new speaker for APHA's House of Delegates. Joey, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Very glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, so thank you again. Um, yeah, the background's pretty pretty straightforward, I guess. I was a uh, pharmacist for several uh, for about five years, um, working uh, right out of school. I did not do a residency. I had um, done a dual degree, uh, PharmD MBA at the University of Kentucky, and um, you know I had some really uh, great mentors at the Kroger company that sort of you know pulled me right out. Uh, I went straight into working, uh, started managing pharmacies right away, uh, had a great experience with the Kroger company. Actually, you know, when I left Kroger, I think so many people were shocked because I was kind of like, you know, I was like Mr. Kroger at a lot of meetings. Everyone uh, uh, knew me as the Kroger guy because I was so passionate about working for the company. And um, uh, yeah, and you know, I can, I'm happy to share a little bit about that transition because, uh, that's a big reason why I'm here in academia today was, uh, while I enjoyed my, my work at a retail chain, um, I sort of, that's where I learned and realized that some of the things that I wanted to do, I couldn't do in that role. Um, and and to, you know, so, so maybe, you know, I don't know what's the best place to kind of stop and I don't, is that way I'm not just rattling off, but yeah, I've got a pretty, pretty interesting background going from that world to, uh, long-term care and then to academia. Yeah. Well, I think that's fascinating because I think so many people, um, see people who have done really well in their careers like you have and want to kind of dissect, you know, well, how did they get where they are today? And I love that you brought out that you had some mentors or, you know, people at Kroger that really took you under their wing. Um, So yeah, let's, let's break it down a little bit. You've got um, expertise. So you've, you've got the, the dual degree background, a PharmD MBA, which probably, um, pushed you a little bit more towards the operation side of things. Um, and 
and maybe you were involved with a large-scale rollout at Kroger, uh, long-term care experience. Yeah, so how did, how did all of that kind of lead you back to academia and even doing your, your strategy and consulting business on the side really fast? Sure. Yeah, so I think part of, I think what drew me to going and doing the MBA uh, along with the PharmD was probably, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of had some hints back then that maybe I wanted to go into economics uh, more so than, than I realized. But, you know, I, I, um, really interested in, in becoming a pharmacist. I had an uncle who was a pharmacist who was a, a great role model for me and someone I looked up to as a, you know, my family. Um, and, and really, so my, to just be blunt, my, my grandparents, when I was younger, uh, had a lot of medical issues, uh, and, and they weren't, you know, they were high school educated, not a lot of, uh, education and also not a lot of, you know, our family wasn't very well off financially. So, you know, we struggled a bit. And when I was in high school, I wish I could have done more to help my grandmother out when she was struggling uh, with her medications and, and paying for medications. And, and that's when I started to kind of get this, you know, itch to get involved in the economics of drug, of, um, of, of the, of drugs in the United States, because I thought it was crazy how, you know, when you get prescribed something, a, a patient often doesn't know, you know, what are, uh, you know, they may take the guidance from the physician and they'll say, okay, I need to take this at this dose. And then the insurance says, well, okay, we're not going to approve it for that amount. So you got to pay out of pocket. Next thing you know, you know, I watched my grandmother paying six, $700 out of pocket for a medication um, that she couldn't afford. And, and so that sort of sparked me, my interest in getting doing more to help patients uh, handle those issues. And initially, I thought becoming a pharmacist would be an excellent way to be um, someone that could help patients in those in those situations. And what was crazy is that I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being a pharmacist. I, I loved managing pharmacies. It was it was very exciting. But one of the things that still kept coming up was, you know, a patient would come in. I remember very distinctly one of my pharmacies, uh, I had this uh, f- phenomenal patient was there every month. He had a kidney transplant in the early nineties. So, you know, 10, 15 years after his kidney transplant, he switched jobs and his new insurance was just like, Oh, sorry, we're not going to approve your, uh, you know, your anti-rejection medications. Uh, so I was just blown away at how our health system was so fragmented and that a, uh, you know, a payer may say, well, we're not going to, you know, we're going to make you jump through these six hoops to get a drug that you've been on for 10 years. Um, and so those kind of challenges were just, they really ate at me, you know, really bothered me. Um, I, uh, I realized as a Kroger pharmacy manager and then eventually a district manager, I was, I was moving up the ladder a bit to try to what I thought have some influence, but deep down, I, I realized I couldn't, I couldn't really influence the way, um, our healthcare system, uh, is set up in those roles. Uh, I could do a lot of work for the Kroger company, uh, and managing operations, but in terms of actually changing policy or influencing, uh, policy to make sure patients can access the medications they needed, I, I didn't have the skills, honestly, um, I didn't have the skills to really uh, contribute and and influence, uh, you know, our government or uh, uh, insurers or pharmaceutical companies. And so that's sort of what started me down the path of thinking about pharmacoeconomics. Um, Obviously, at that time, I was getting used to a pretty good salary. and, And so deciding to go back to do my graduate degree was not 
going to happen right away. Um, I decided to see, you know, how I would do, uh, start help starting a company and long-term care and spent about 13 months with a startup that was a wild ride to say the least. Uh, it was amazing servicing nursing homes all over Indiana, Kentucky, and uh, Ohio. Uh, it, it was a, uh, uh, it was a big challenge trying to ramp that operation up. Um, but that was sort of the, even doing that new company, um, I realized that what I really wanted to do was, uh, learn more about how I could actually get involved in health economics. And so, you know, reach back out to some mentors at the university of Kentucky that, uh, you know, help, help, me as a student. They gave me a lot of great advice and I started applying to programs. And lo and behold, I actually found an opportunity at the University of Maryland where they needed someone to teach pharmacy management. And obviously I had just spent the last, you know, I spent like three or four years managing 17 different pharmacies. So I had a pretty good, you know, portfolio of management and operations experience. And on the flip side, they had an amazing PhD program in health economics or focus, especially with what I wanted to learn. And so it was like this perfect, you know, uh, it was, you know, serendipity, I guess, the way that it worked out that, uh, that I could actually take a faculty position, uh, which was great considering I had gotten engaged and didn't want to break it to my fiance that I might need to go back full time as a student. So that was that was good. Uh, so on the personal side, it's also nice to not take too big of a salary uh, reduction when, you know, when pursuing this. So let's just say I was very blessed that those things worked out in 2014 and we were able to move to Maryland and get started. Wow. And it was a win-win. So I love hearing stories like that and how sometimes it may seem like, you know, your career might be going in this totally different route. And, and, but, but all of that managed experience uh, led you to kind of, you know, where you are today at University of Maryland. That's really interesting. Um, And so, uh, Joey, could you tell a little bit more about your PhD? That is a really um, big accomplishment. It, it takes a long time. And, and maybe a lot of people, a lot of the listeners may not know exactly what all is involved in, uh, you know, going back to get a PhD. So maybe share a little bit more about that experience. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's been a, I guess I sort of got started in 2014. I wasn't officially in the PhD program until 2015. I took like one, I took two classes, I think one a semester um, prior to starting the PhD program as I was applying um, and officially started in the um I guess it would have been the fall of 2015 and, um, you know, spent a little over, what was that, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, three, three and a half years, um, full speed ahead, working really, you know, working uh, my job and, um, and, and taking classes. Obviously, I had to have a very supportive boss, a very supportive department chair at the University of Maryland that allowed me to, you know, take time out of my day on a Tuesday or a Thursday to go sit in a three hour class. That's something that's a luxury. Uh, I do not I can't imagine trying to do that. Uh, on the side while I was working as a pharmacist um, with Kroger or any other, you know, for-profit company. So that was critical. Um, but what was awesome about doing this program, so 
when I was a, a high school student and college student, I thought research was only in a lab. You know, I only thought of research as like, uh, you know, something involving giving drugs to mice and watching what they do. You know, I, I, I was very naive to what what was out there. And and I wasn't that I didn't have enough information to really make an educated decision um, in my uh earlier on in my career and in terms of getting into health economics or outcomes research. But I, I did have some really good mentors at University of Kentucky that they could kind of sense that I had a very inquisitive mind and had had kind of a knack for um, I had some of those some of those um, personality traits, I think, that would that would make me a, a good academic because I was just so curious. I was so interested in tackling questions and, and answer, you know, coming up with solutions for complicated questions. And um, and so I think they knew that I had an interest and they tried to encourage me to look at some things. But, you know, I don't think I, I fully grasp what I could do with a Ph.D., so um, came to University of Maryland, uh, or once I kind of came full circle and realized this is what I wanted to do, I got started. And, and you know, to kind of sum up a few things, a lot of it's uh, biostatistics or a lot of statistics. You really, uh, it's amazing um, where I was a few years ago and, and my, um, the way my brain works, I guess, and, and thinking about uh, statistics now, thinking about uh, research methods, thinking about the way we measure things. It's so amazing because when I was in operations for, you know, uh, the Kroger company or um, uh, just in, in my previous background, I remember sometimes and not just Kroger or any, you know, and just in management in general, um, often we'll make decisions off of off of data that we we probably didn't collect the data appropriately, or maybe we didn't analyze it appropriately. Have you know? Have you ever have you ever been a part of a group that you make you, you, the leadership makes a decision and you're like, wait a second, there's bias in the way that that was reported, you know? Um, and so that that's what that's the PhD has taught me how to be very skeptical, uh, very skeptical of of any data that's presenting and presented, and look to see, okay, how how did we collect the data? Um, how are we comparing it? Do we analyze it appropriately? What are the chances that we got the answer wrong? Um, which is actually something that, um, in a way it's, it's made me much less, like less confident in my answers. A lot of times now I actually spend a lot of times analyzing alternate scenarios of what if, what if the math is wrong or we did some assumption wrong? Um, because that's just sort of how, how I feel like in my training I, I've, I've become, or I've learned and, and, and it's probably made me a little bit crazy or a little bit wacky where I can't just give you a straight answer on some things. But I hope overall it makes it it allows me to provide a better answer whenever I do give you an answer, because I've given you, um, you know, all the alternate scenarios. And, and, you know, here's the confidence that we have that this answer is correct, you know, or here are the things that could make the answer wrong. Um, and that way, because at the end of the day, you want to change or change the way we make decisions so that we make the best possible decision. Um, to give you an example, something very, sim very simple. Um, so I've seen, I've seen several publications published uh, or papers published on, you know, pharmacist salaries increasing a few years ago. And, and I, and I knew as just in my own experience, I was like, well, yeah, but what the money that you deposit in the bank just isn't what it was a few years ago. And, uh, and, and so I, it, you know, something as basic as, well, the way that we analyze pharmacist salaries 
if we don't do adjustments for inflation, we don't do adjustments for cost of living, and we don't do adjustments for student loans, uh, we're really evaluating the wrong number. Like we shouldn't evaluate pharmacist salary. So one of my first economic models, or was a very, not economic model, was a, a basically a very simple Microsoft Excel simulation that I simulated um, what I, you know, we call the net income of a pharmacist uh, that we published, you know, take walking someone's salary down to that net income level, that amount you actually put in the bank after you've paid all your bills and your student loans. And we found that students graduating in 2014 compared to a, a similar student graduating five years earlier in 2009 were much worse off. Um, after the, you know, comparatively. So anyway, that's what I love about the PhD program is that it's allowed me to think of different ways to answer a question because at the end of the day, you want to help influence decisions. And I want, I want like that particular paper to help influence, you know, pharmacy school deans and faculty and, and as well to think, hey, what do we need to do to make the situation for graduating pharmacists better than it was five years ago, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer, ready to use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. And I love that um, you're able to, you're in a position there within academia to not only influence um you know, all of these, these great kind of research topics, but also future students to, so to kind of instill in them that type of mindset where, um, we keep learning that, you know, data is so important and there's so much data, but you've got to be able to, uh, make sure you're getting the right data and that you're analyzing it appropriately. So, um, thanks for digging in a little bit about that. Um, so, you know, also, what do you see? So you've just kind of finished up with this this PhD program. Where do you see um, some of your your major uh, research interests uh, kind of going forward? And maybe how might that even help with um, your new role with uh, APHA as Speaker of the House of Delegates, which is the policy making body for APHA? Yeah. Well, so first towards, uh, you know, in terms of my research, um, I really hope that I can spend, you know, um, spend the first couple of years building out, um, work that can help estimate the value of, of, you know, new medications or new therapies that come out for patients in a way that also includes what the patient wants. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that because a lot of economic models focus solely on, you know, what the insurance is paying or what, um, you know, what the medical costs are, but sometimes we don't consider, well, what about, you know, the, the cost that a patient take, you know, the time the patient spends, 
going in and out of lab, the labs or the doctor's office or whatever, the, the, the time that, that they, uh, you know, are away from work? Does it force you to like, you know, quit your job because of your illness? You know, are we considering all those other things when we do our economic models? And, and can we, you know, actually talk to patients and hear what they say? And um, so that, that's sort of where I want a lot of my research to start. In terms of the American Pharmacists Association, you know, the, I'm so lucky and, and just very excited to have the opportunity to um, to be involved with APHA at, at, at with especially with the House of Delegates, I've always been um, very interested in in the way uh, House of Delegates operates. I love parliamentary procedure. I'm one of those. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I'm a weirdo that I I, I love parliamentary procedure and Robert's rules. So uh, to me, I just love um, running that component of the meeting. But it, but obviously, the that role as speaker, you spend a lot of time with the policy process, with all the committees and. And it's, there's so much involved with helping guide the association, you know, draft really good policy statements that the organization can, uh, debate, discuss, uh, craft and, and, and put on, you know, put on the books to say, okay, now we're going to advocate this. And, um, and I hope to be a, um, I don't know what's a good word. Like, I guess I want to be a good shepherd, maybe. I don't know. I want to, I want to be someone that, um, I, I don't, you know, I really don't want, you know, Joey Mattingly's influence or what Joey's opinion is to be that influential. I actually want to be the guy that's a great resource. So when an individual member, so, you know, if a Hillary Blackburn contacts me and says, hey, Joey, I've been hearing this is a major problem, um, you know, APHA should do something about it. I want to be the guy that can say, okay, Hillary, well, here, what if you start by uh, drafting this policy statement, submitting as a new business, you know, a new business item for that APHA House of Delegates, you know, or, or maybe you should submit the, you know, I want to be someone that can help you um, solve the problems that you see, because, you know, I, now that I am outside of the, the, you know, I'd say the real world in a, in a way in my academic setting, we need pharmacists who are on the front lines, uh, in patient care, uh, or in other operations, uh, or, or just, you know, seeing other experiences as they come up with problems or things we should, we should address. Uh, I hope I can become a resource and I can be somebody that, that they're like, Hey, you know, call Joey, we can maybe get his opinion on how we can, how we can make, you know, make this happen. Yeah, no, that makes total sense because I think to a lot of people, it's, um, you just demystified the process of how to, uh, I guess, get things done uh, from a policy standpoint. So it's as simple as that. Like, I don't know, you might be getting a lot of emails. So, <laughs> um, but I think, I think that that was so uh, powerful what you shared about um, just, you know, how important it is to to get people involved from the ground up and uh, to show them the way that it, it you know, it, there's a process in place for um, making your voice heard. And, um, and yeah, it's great to have people that are um, humble uh, stewards or shepherds uh, to, to, you know, make, make those things happen. Um, well, fascinating. Well, you've just got a very diverse background and uh, a lot of really great experience and and passion. Uh, you can tell uh, about the the pharmacy profession. So, I'm excited to uh, be able to, to connect and share a little bit more about your story. Um, but Joey, as kind of our last question. Uh, 
Would you be able to share some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Wow, that's that's a great question uh, and something I should probably have like a, a great answer to right away, um, considering I've got, you know, a new class of students coming in every year that that I'm always thinking of little words of wisdom I, I want to share. Um, so goodness. Uh, but if I had to pick, you know, one or two things, um, I think the one thing I'd want to f- maybe address is that you have to be true to yourself. You have to spend some time, um, getting to know who you are as a person individually, because, uh, to, and what I, what I mean by that is when we go into our careers, we go into our, you know, our, our day job, the place that's going to, you know, pay us a salary so we can afford to do things or, uh, pay off our student loans or whatever. Um, you know, I think we kind of hope that we have an opportunity to, I don't know, like if, if you want to travel the world, uh, go on a bunch of fancy vacations, or do you want to, um, do you want to help people with their medication problems? Like, what are the things that you want to do? Um, what are the things that make you happy as an individual? What, what are the things that drive you? And for me, um, at first I, I really enjoyed I enjoyed that I was successful with operations and pharmacy, um, but it wasn't fulfilling me. It wasn't something that was making me um, it, totally thrilled and excited to be doing what I was doing. I like okay, so I so I did I did well for this one pharmacy and got a bonus, or okay, I got promoted from manager to district manager. Manager, congrats me! But it wasn't it wasn't that ex- it wasn't like. Um, I don't know. It wasn't something that was totally fulfilling. I, I felt like there was so much more I could do in terms of, um, you know, having an impact on on people like my grandmother that 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 really kind of drove drove back to what I could really do. Um, and and so I it, it it was really tough. It was really tough, kind of going back and saying, "Hey, I'm kind of going to take a step back and focus on school again and um, uh, and start over in a way, kind of re- redefine my career." Uh, and, and you know what, if I, if I'm not happy in a couple of years, a lot of that may not really be related to, you know, um, my degree or, or exactly what my job is. It may just be how I'm approaching it. And, and so I just have to constantly, you know, reassess, you know, what are the things that make me happy, uh, about my, you know, job day to day, whatever, and how I approach it. Um, so anyway, I just encourage students to start with yourself, start with evaluating what are the things that you love, um, a lot of times I even ask students in my office if they, whenever we, we have that first conversation, I say, let's pretend, uh, that I give you $10 million the moment you graduate, you know? So the day of graduation, Dr. Mattingly gives you a $10 million check. It's enough money for you to deposit in the bank and live off of the interest for, you know, the rest of your life. If you want, uh, making enough salary to pay your bills. Now, now that you've got money taken care of, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. Do, do, do you travel? Do you um, spend time donating your time at a homeless shelter? Do you um, you know, what, what do you do? Do you decide to play a music musical instrument? Um, whatever. You need to answer that, because if all you're doing is going into pharmacies, pharmacy because, it, you know, it may offer a six figure salary or there's these other benefits uh, um, or prestige or whatever that is. Uh, I don't think you're going to really, 
you may not really love this profession. Uh, you know, I, you may just be doing it for the wrong reason. So I, you know, I want to make sure you set that kind of, okay, let's say money wasn't an issue. Now, what do you do with your time and, and, and what do you want to do? And so we often start the conversation with a heart to heart like that. And, and so if a student says, you know, Dr. Mattingly, I love traveling. I want to go all over the world. Then I, then I start encouraging them to check out maybe public health programs to do an MPH with their PharmD and maybe see if they can get involved with uh, UNICEF or the World Health Organization or, you know, like I just think there's so many things you can do with a PharmD that you just got to fit, figure out what do you want to do with your life? What do you, what do you see yourself, see yourself uh, doing and what makes you happy if it wasn't about paying your bills? And then let's see if we can get you a job or get you a position that allows you to kind of match up as many of those things as you can. I think that is awesome advice. So, um, and it, it resonates even with with me. So, uh, for instance, I've been practicing as a pharmacist for a number of years. I've been moving more and more into administrative roles and and want to go back and get my MBA. So, um, yeah, I think that that the takeaway from that is, you know, keep looking at at what makes you happy, and you can always change with the pharmacy degree. It's so versatile. So, yeah, wherever your interests lie, whether it's global health, public health, economics, uh, like you're doing, um, so lots of different opportunities. Uh, great. Well, uh, Joey, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Oh, thank, thank you. And uh, I'm glad to be, like I said, glad to be invited and good luck uh, to you with the uh, the new degree and, and, and getting him back into school. Obviously, it's definitely a challenge and uh, uh, kind of shift gears again, but good luck uh, on, on your journey and obviously uh, keep me in touch or keep in touch as a, a resource. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.